Texas, your truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rothbard. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan and John here with me from Pittsburgh Power. And we're going to jump right into questions today. We've got a lot of calls on hold, so we're just going to get right to it today. We're going to start off in Arizona. John, welcome to the program. Yes, how y'all doing today? Good. What's on your mind? I got hey, John, uh, a couple of questions. All right. I got a couple of questions. First one for Kevin and other is for uh, Pittsburgh Power folks. Uh, on algae and the tank, what's the name of that stuff? I remember you saying something before about uh, uh, a product put out where you put. Algae or asphaltine? Algae. Yeah, I don't have a... LG a, is kill them. Kill them is what we use. It's called kill them. Kill them. Yeah, I don't have mm-hmm. a, a particular and, product. What I normally do is I just go to a West Marine because they deal with so much more algae in, in the marine world. I just go to West Marine and ask them for their best algicide. Um, so. Okay, yeah, because I had a... I I don't really know it's actually algae, but the the technician said, "Oh, you got to change these water fuel separators because we get algae in there. You have to change them every couple of weeks, which I've been doing this a long time, never heard of." But he well, anyway, the way uh, you can tell uh-huh. the way you can tell if it's algae is dump the fuel from the filter into a a clear jar, and if you see little black specks. That's the waste of the algae. Algae is actually alive, and it eats, and that's its waste. So the black specks are, are the algae. And if you can see in your tanks and you see something that looks like mucus, that's that's the actual algae. Okay. All righty. Well, the, my other question now was on my motor. I got a 2013 ISX. It's a four, rated 450. Y'all t- did a tune on it for me and got it turned up to, I think, I think you did 514 or 515 on the dyno. Uh, now, if I was, uh, I got right to 700,000 on it now. If I was to rebuild it, can, would, uh, you know, bring it up there and have y'all rebuild it, would, would y'all be able to boost up the horsepower in it or would it still be at that, uh, at like 515 or whatever? Uh, five fifteen to the ground is about six fifteen flywheel. No, we can take it higher. Can we okay, build it back to a, the a better CPL? Yeah, we change the CPL, yeah. Yep. Yep. What about if somebody else gets a thirty nine thirty nine CPL? Yeah, that's the one, right? Even when when you yeah uh, yeah when when you when you did the uh, tune or whatever you said you wrote a new program and you was happy to get it to 514 so i don't know if you know a rebuild with going and change all the mechanicals you know putting new mechanicals if we could go up higher or, or what oh absolutely on that all righty well uh I'll be trying before to get up there in the next couple uh-huh 
before you hang up, Ethan, on that CPL 3939, what are we seeing to the ground on average? Oh, we can easily get a six and a quarter to the wheels with those, um, up to 650 at the wheels. Wow. So add another 125 onto that. Well, I'll tell you, let me do a calculation here. If it's, you said 625 to the ground, Ethan? Yes. It gives you 735 flywheel. Would yeah, that be enough? Huh? Yeah, that should do it. <laughs> yeah, that's not <laughs> That'll pull that big bunk ears around nice. Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> yeah. All right, we've uh, we're going to move along. We've got a lot of questions to get to. We're going to go to Pennsylvania this time. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, you guys. Um, I've been dealing with a problem for about a year and a half. Um, John's aware of it. It's uh, ever since I had injectors pulled out to do O rings, I lost all kinds of power and boost. And uh, I've been chasing it for a while here. And uh, I did uh, get a hold of a test ECM for free, thankfully. Oh, good. Uh, unfortunately, that has not cured the problem. So I'm still kind of okay. stuck here. Which engine? It's uh, C12. I, uh, you saw it, Bruce. I showed it to you couple weeks ago when i was out there. yeah 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 we just had it here in the shop Bruce, the c12 we put the manifold turbo yeah and, uh put the tune on it and we had it running pretty good when it left i thought but he's got an intermittent problem it'll throw out some white smoke uh much like that one we had with the big bunk that the ecm ended up curing uh but that obviously that didn't work with this one so yeah the tune's great wow. I, it's been flawless um and the turbo okay. and manifold but Yes, still, uh, of course, it, this has a stock tune on it, so we're in a, back in my old range, kind of 20 to 30 pounds on every pull. It okay. kind of does what it wants to. Sometimes sometimes it actually pulls back a little bit, so I, I'm still wondering if there's any possibility of fuel restriction, even though our gauges are good. I don't that was know my thought. if you think it's electronic. Yeah. Does it have a? Uh, well, I'll tell you. I don't. I don't think we. Uh, I don't think we put gauges on it when we dynoed that. It didn't act up for us though either. It ran great on the dyno. Maybe we just need to run it longer with our searching gauge. And what did we have to yeah. the ground on that engine? What was it? Um, seventy-eight. I, four seventy-eight. Yeah, right around four eighty. We got to just above four eighty with what we did with it. Yeah, and I, I had you guys put the pressure and restriction gauges in, so I have them. Up oh, we did. Oh, yeah. Oh, you do have yeah. them. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you see anything there at yeah. all whenever whenever it acts up? No, not really. I'm trying to watch. Uh, sometimes the fuel pressure dips down to about 70, but, I mean, it's pretty steady. Okay. Yeah, that's plenty for for that engine. No, we taking the how many, how many, off. 
Well, off the front or the back, back of, of the, the head. head, yeah. I want to make sure we're taking that off the back of the head because we've seen that where the front will read 70, but it's not actually yep. 70 in the head, you know, through the whole rail. How many miles are on the injectors? Uh, they're new. new. Okay. We, yeah, we did those uh, a couple months ago. That that did. My old injectors were tired. I, the old ones, I was only getting 21 pounds of boost, and these these are a little bit bigger. They're five percent bigger, um, and I got a lot of power back, but but it the boost wasn't consistent. Um, Sometimes it would be 21, sometimes 27, sometimes 25. And before this whole problem started, I was getting, I, I was really stock strong at like 28. You know, on a good night, I could get 30. And this this all started when I had injectors out to do O-rings, which is kind of, I keep coming back to that, wondering what could have possibly changed. What if a piece of an O-ring ended up in the return valve and maybe it doesn't have enough pressure? If we're looking at 70 on the way into the head. I wonder what it is on the backside. Before yeah, because 70 should be the minimum on the back. Yeah. But that wouldn't be intermittent, though. Yeah, I need to think about this some more. So, Brian, yeah, did, if you're did, going did up through, through the, the gears, gears or did someone else have it? No, somebody else, the small-time shop, okay. salvage yard. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, if you go up through try. the gears, right? Yeah, if you go up through the gears, every gear you you could get a different boost reading, <laughs> you know, as you swing through the through the range. Um, it's you know, eight, you know, seventh gear you you might get thirty, and eighth gear you might only get twenty, and then ninth gear you might get twenty five. Okay. Is it the original fuel suction line? I believe so. I think I'd be replacing that. I'd be starting from the tank and working my way forward. That's just not. This is a. We've never yeah. had a C12 with a problem like this. So. All right. Yeah, that's a great I, would, I would be looking at. There's I'd be looking at the fuel delivery side. There's the music. We've got to get to a break. We're going to come back and get some more of your calls and questions right after this. Don't go away. This is the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. This is the Power Hour. Bruce and John and Ethan are here with me. We're taking your calls and answering your questions. We're going to get back to the calls right now. We're off to Texas. Greg, welcome to the program. Hello. Got a real quick question. Got a chance to buy a 99 Freightliner. Pretty cheap, I think. Uh, but it's got an auto stick in it. Is that something that's that I should stay away from or not? A 99 with an auto shift? Is that what you said? Yes. That may yes. have been either the – is it a full auto shift or what they call a top two? That's uh, full auto. Yeah, I think the top two came out in 97 or 98. 99 might actually be the very first year of the auto shift. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, depends on a lot of other reasons. I, I don't know that I would eliminate it just because of that, but I'd look at a lot of it, a lot of other things, and that would be a factor. Um, I had I had an auto shift in 01 that I had a lot of luck with, uh, it was an Eaton. So that would have been, I think, the same generation. And then I had the Meritor in 05, which was a disaster. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that would eliminate it, but it's a factor. It is the earliest generation of that transmission. The truck's in pretty good condition, and it's been used on the farm, light work. But he wants about seven thousand for it. Yeah, you know, at seven thousand, if I liked the truck mm-hmm. and it was low mileage and in good shape, I wouldn't worry about the transmission. Well, I think it's got a million three on it, but it was overhauled right after a million. So the engine is it a you know, twelve seven? I think it is. Check the paperwork and make sure they put a pool gear in it. But is that about the right price for that truck? Or yeah, it, it, yes, that that's pretty hard to go wrong. Okay. They they spent double that on the in frame at least, maybe even three times that on the in frame alone, and you've only got a couple of hundred thousand miles on it. So, pretty hard to go wrong at seven thousand dollars with a re- fairly recent in frame. That's what I thought, and I was going to put it to work uh, hauling local uh, back and forth about forty five miles. And I think it'd be perfect for that, you know, short trips local. Oh, yeah. And run it for, you know, several years and then, you know, trade it or sell it or something after that. But get some money out of it. It'd pay for itself pretty quick, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's an idea. And I know the guy that's got it. Yeah. Okay. Make sure – Take a look at the damper, the torsional damper. I'll bet it's the old rusty original one and call us up and put a new damper and balancer on it. That would be the first thing yeah. I would do to it. Yeah, that, that's that's top of the list from listening to you guys. That's what I would do. Okay. But anything this guy says, I can trust because he's a pretty good guy, and I know him. I've known him for years. So. Yeah. So anyhow, that's just my thought. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Let's uh, let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. Um, 
Isn't Elon Musk sending his Tesla into space today? Has he launched it yet? No, uh, it got delayed now till 3:45 p.m. We we had the computer fired up here so we could watch, and uh, yeah, he's he splitting us down. Uh, I was talking to a guy the other day, and he said, "Why, why would he send a Tesla in, out of space?" And I said, "Because he can." <laughs> you mean <laughs> it, it's 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 been delayed? You mean Elon failed again? That slacker. Oh, he's terrible. He's <laughs> terrible. He can't. He can't control the weather, though. Yeah, so... Why not? Yeah. Hey, on... Oh, no, he ain't. Well, he can control electricity, so maybe he can control the weather eventually. So, yeah. <coughs> um, the, the other day, not on a... Not on a... I'm not on a Power Hour show, but... You know the guy called in about the, e, um, the ELDs and recording the engine hours? Well, when the... Tesla electric truck comes out. Are they going to re- want to record the engine hours on the electric motor too? I don't think so. What's the point of that? Say that again. Hmm. I'm sure it will. When when the you know the the ELD records the engine hours. Well, well the, when the Tesla comes out with these electric trucks. Well, they still want to record the engine hours for the electric motors. You know, we we had this conversation over the weekend. Or, or Somebody the- called me, and they had they, you know, read all the way through the ELD mandate, because I kept asking the question, why did we even have the ninety nine exemption? Because clearly, you can do this with a mechanical engine if you wanted to. Well, one of the requirements was that the ELD captures engine hours, and I thought, what for? Nobody is ever going to use that data for anything. So, you know, it's just like the government to complicate things. Why, why do we stick that in there? And they, you know, it needed to know when the key was on and when the engine started, which, again, why? Has nothing to do with hours of service. Doesn't tell us one useful piece of information. But honestly, if they wanted to, with sensors today, how hard would it be to create a standalone device that knew when the engine was running? I don't think that would be that difficult either. Yeah, or could just read it from the ECM. The, the info's in the ECM. It knows. I mean, they could just they could just read it. Yeah, but that's why they claim they, that they, they have know. the ninety nine exemption because you know the farther back we go, the more rudimentary the ECMs were. But I, I have to believe even the earliest ECMs would be able to give you that information. Yeah, well, right. I, I yeah, even it. the N14 has it. Yeah, everything has it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah, well, uh, I'm thinking that when the when the electric trucks come out, and they say, oh, well, that if if it'll if we can do it for an electric truck, we can probably just do it for a 99 or older. So when the electric trucks come out, is when the 99 exemption will go away. I'm guessing. I, you know, I, I if if it makes it that long, exactly. I, I'm not even sure why it exists, honestly. Yeah, and then uh, my old truck that had the seven CZ engine, that was the best performing engine I've ever sat behind. I'd I'd, I'd buy another one of them in a heartbeat. I've always said. 
Anytime somebody calls with a Caterpillar with a 40-pin ECM, 70CZ, 1LW, 5EK, and they buy a ported ceramic-coated manifold, an HP Cat Turbo, and Firebox or ECM programming and dampening a balancer, I know within a week they're going to be calling me and telling me how wonderful their truck is. So those old cats from 95 through 98 were really good engines. They're just not getting the notoriety of the system. We're going to squeeze in another call here. We may have to carry it through the break. Jim in Massachusetts, it's your turn. Yeah, I had to comment about the complete air cleaner, but I had a, another question for you on the ceramic manifolds. I have a C15, and we're having issues of breaking exhaust manifold bolts. And we noticed that the exhaust manifold, the back half, the three sections, was separating a little bit. And uh, you can't push that back together. I guess it's a press fit. And uh, the, manif- uh, the manufacturer of the manifold doesn't really seem to want to do anything about that. We have a real good company with the fleet air filters, but yet the manifold people on a park that shouldn't wear out don't really want to seem to do anything on something that's obviously a manufacturing fault because that's not supposed to separate like that. And what it's doing is putting lateral uh, pressure on the exhaust manifold bolts and breaking them. Have you ever run into this? Well, no. No, we have not. And how hot is your pyrometer running? It's never seen anything above 12, 1250 tops. And is that on the hot side? That's on, on, on the hot manifold? On, on the hot side. It's never gotten hot. Matter what kind of fact, it's, getting, it's in a uh, Western Star. In a Western Star with a Caterpillar. C15. C15. C15 and... C15, is, it an a, is it an A-cert? Is it an A-cert? No. No, 6NZ. 6NZ. Yep. Wow. 6NZ, and uh, you you can actually see where it's pushed back a oh, good eighth of an inch. So it kind of leaves like a, a rust line where originally it started. Those, uh, those manifolds have almost been uh, 100% perfect. Uh, call us, call us, or email us with your name and phone number. Let me help you get for you. All right, we've got to get to a break. We'll be right back with more stuff. Stick around. <laughs> 